This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and wellbeing of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Well, Well, Well on Joy and the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Cal Hawk, and here on Well, 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 we dive into the issues impacting and interwoven into the health and wellbeing of our LGBTIQ plus communities and people living with HIV. Well, 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 was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people down here in St. Kilda at Joy Studios in the Victorian Pride Center. Now, this November, in the lead up to World AIDS Day, Thorn Harbor Health is releasing a new series of video clips as part of its HIV Still Matters campaign, talking about the contemporary landscape surrounding HIV in Australia. This year's video series features various pairings of people living with HIV and their loved ones as they share personal stories and discuss an array of topics intersecting with HIV today. Kicking that series off, I'm going to be joined in the studio by one of the pairs from the series, Clint and Nathan. That's all coming up here on this week's episode of Well, Well, Well. Sexual health, mental health, and the overall well-being of our LGBTIQ communities. You're listening to Well, Well, Well. You're listening to Well, Well, Well here on Joy in the Community Radio Network. I'm Cal Hawk, and I'm now joined in the studio from the first of our HIV Still Matters pairings, Clint and Nathan. How are you? So good. How are you? So good. Great to be here. Great. Great to have you in here. So just before we had you on the show, you haven't seen the HIV Still Matters clip yet. No. So I'm jealous of you. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I won't I won't delve too much into what we cover in the the video clip. Um, The series is coming out this month and you know, it's talking about the personal narratives of people living with HIV and also the contemporary landscape in which you exist, because that has changed, you mm-hmm. know, in the in the 40 years that we've really been responding to HIV and AIDS in this country. But first things first, why did you decide to put your hand up to be a part of the latest HIV Still Matters series? Nathan, I'm going to throw to you first. You, you were the first one that I saw a, a visual reaction in your face. Why did you decide to do it? <laughs> Me and Clint were just having this conversation not that long ago. And well, we were both talking about, well, why did we do this? Like, what wanted us to do it? And we both got to that point where we were like, well, why not? Like, why is it so big that we actually sit here and talk about HIV? Something that for us is an everyday part of our life. It doesn't really matter to us. It's just a part of who we are. But it's such a big deal that we actually sit here and it's it's seen as brave or it's seen as courageous. Like... Why is it still so brave to do and talk about HIV in a Western society, which is why it is really important that we can sit here and actually share our personal experiences because it shouldn't be a big deal. We shouldn't have to, in in a modern day, have this campaign still going when the medication has become so far and our lives are, if not, we will live as long or longer than uh, everybody else. Yeah. And similar to, to Nathan, I mine's a little bit different purely because for 10 years, I've had HIV for 12 years now. And for 10 years, I hadn't told anyone. Um, I told my very close friends and all of my sexual partners because it was still illegal not to tell them at that time. Um, so I hadn't told my family. I hadn't told a lot of my friends in my sort of broader community because... I always thought it was because they don't need to know, you know, I'm undetectable and I'm fine and it doesn't affect them. So I shouldn't worry them, you know, and I realized and, you know, thanks COVID, um, when you sit in your 
stuff for long enough. I'll use the word stuff as opposed to the other bit. Um, that it was really I hadn't told people because I was still ashamed, still holding a lot of guilt, still holding a lot of um, personal sort of stigma. You know, that's the biggest thing, you know, when you're talking about HIV. And so I hadn't told anyone and then I made a documentary about it because that's obviously the way in which you think, how am I going to tell my parents? Let's make a film about it. Um, it's cost effective, not. Um, and so then since then, I started telling everyone and I, I feel like it's because I'm in a position now where I've resolved it for myself enough. I've gotten to a point where I understand the need for people in the community to stand up and feel comfortable and safe to tell people that they are living with HIV without there being a shame or associated, um, you know, violence or abuse or, or you know, just a, a wrong look on the wrong day to someone who's feeling really vulnerable is really hard. Um, so Nathan and I are both big enough, brave enough and bold enough um, to take most things that come at us um, and, yeah, to stand up for those who can't, I guess. So yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I mean, sure, there's the stigma and the discrimination, and that's evolved as well. But I guess, you know, it's also a bit of work to disclose things. Yes, a the long conversations. <laughs> <laughs> and some people react yeah. really well, and if their the literacy is quite high, it, it maybe it's not as long of a conversation. But yeah. for some folks, have kind of checked out of that. It can be a lot of work, and is that something you both have found in your experience? Yeah, often you turn into the educator and you can be on a, a social platform like a grinder or um, Tinder <laughs> and you can turn into a, a social health expert where you're sharing yeah. status and you're sharing kind of where medication is up to to just a lame, uh, like a, an everyday person because you feel like you have to share um, and it's like the burden and the responsibility you take on because most people don't know or they don't have the knowledge of themselves. Yeah. I went to the AIDS con conference in uh, Brisbane with you actually, Nathan. Yeah. And um, it was funny. I had this conversation with a, a person who works in the community as well in New York. And he was like, what I'm most interested in is aren't you tired of talking about it and explaining it to all those people who won't figure it out for themselves? And Sometimes I've had moments where there's definitely that. I think at the moment I'm still burning bright with that fire to help and educate and to, you know, be that advocate because I want it to be better, not just for me, but for the people that haven't mm -hmm. been able to come forward with it yet or really struggle or have those grinder battle text-offs on, mm -hmm. you know, the, the constant education about, you know, they're on prep and they're, you know protected and safe and all that and they're still throwing stigma it. and shame and, yeah. and abuse on the daily at you and it's like you're on prep the question is not even relevant anymore so one you can ask the question sure but then to really go someone for it i do sometimes feel very much in the mood for that long battle of, of messages back and forth and other days i'm like i just don't have the time for you or the energy. <laughs> With regard to the disclosure and those conversations and, and battling stigma, is it harder online than it is in person because people are kind of behind a screen and maybe, I don't know, lose sight of the humanity because the 
it's not like a real person. It's definitely more brutal. Yeah. (laughs) Online, people can say anything. They can hide behind any identity. In person, I find it such a beautiful experience. You you can share. You can see the person. They can respond. They can ask you questions, and they can see that we're just like them, or we're just a human standing in front of them, sharing a part of our story. And often, when I've disclosed in person, it's come to a beautiful place where they've shared part of their story, or they've shared part of their disclosure, or a health challenge that they're having and it's been a really beautiful like oh hey you're, you're actually not that different to me you're 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 just like me mm. i think that's actually remarkable that you have talked about that people have disclosed their own personal health challenge because that's a, i mean that's really telling of the contemporary landscape of the experience of hiv it's a health concern mm-hmm. but it's not you know what it was when we didn't have really successful treatment like mm-hmm. we do today and people on TV achieving an undetectable viral load and you know where we're at in the contemporary landscape you know you've you share your personal experiences and, and it does take a little bit of courage you know and it takes a little bit of confidence but you're both very articulate you know i've seen the clip now um so we're i still can... sober <laughs> mostly you know and you and you do talk with a, a level of ease about that and a level of confidence you know where did that come from because obviously that that's not something you have right off the bat well i'm acting school darling <laughs> uh, i guess from my experience i i did the flip of what Clint did. So Clint kind of kept it really, really secret. And I guess you could share your story there. Uh, But I came out of the closet screaming. Like the second that I was diagnosed, I was like, yep, everybody is going to know. I'm not going to hide it. I'm just going to be proud of it because I have to. And it's a part of who I am. And then I went back in the closet because it became really, really hard. So for many years, I had to build that resilience. I had to figure out, well, why did I go back in the closet? I was so fine with it when it happened. Why am I now finding so much fear? And it was because of the stigma, the discrimination, the relentless conversations where people would say little snide comments and not know that you have it. And then that would put me further and further into the closet and be, I guess, ashamed of kind of having this part of me that, well, if I don't tell them, they don't have to know. Um, and I guess that's why we're so, or that's why I'm probably really articulate now and probably really confident with it because I've, I've got to that point where I'm like, just, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> why, why do we have to hide? Why can't we just normalize it now? Um, and why can't we just share it and take mm. that burden off and, and be vulnerable because that's, that's, what we want to be we want to be vulnerable people and that's what i want people to be with me i want them to be vulnerable to to be their true self mm. and how long ago was that for you that you kind of came out all guns blazing and then you know kind of decide whoop maybe that's too much yes yeah, so it was a, a bit of a gradual process so i was diagnosing in 2014 and then it was on my social media it was, it was on my grinder profiles everything like that and then i think over the next three three to four years, I started to withdraw and it just started off really, really slow to start with and just not telling some people. And then of course, disclosing because it was illegal back then, I had to disclose, but then it was like totally removed from all of my social media. I totally withdrew from self, from society, from friends. I actually withdrew into self and I I stopped going out. So it was a real like, I was screaming out of that closet and then I just withdrew absolutely completely from life. And now over the past, I think maybe, well, probably five years, uh, I've really come out kicking and just being like, no, I need to step into the arena um, and stand up and be an advocate for this. Yeah. What about you, Clint? I think it's, there's a couple of things. Like, I think we both speak so well about it because as a HIV person, 
one of my armors is speaking with intelligence and knowledge and wisdom around it because I need to know the answers to the questions that someone might ask me to attack me mm -hmm. with or to protect myself with. So it becomes very much, if I know the answer to everything about HIV and if I can talk about it and I know the risks, then when that person is on the ledge of, you know, wanting to be nasty or wanting to be all those things, you can have a decent, relevant conversation. You know, I'm one of those people that once something happens, um, you have to know, like, I think information is everything and it's power. Mm -hmm. um, and when you feel so powerless, at which you so often do, and with HIV, yes, we are here, proud, strong, you know, proud to be positive and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's not a choice for us to have it. Um, and it's not a choice we probably would have made if we'd been given the option, but we can't unchoose it. So let's like at least make living with it as effective as possible. And one of those ways is by being able to sort of say, well, actually that's completely wrong. That thing you just said that was really horrible or, mm. um, you know, you, you learn very quickly that you need to arm yourself with protective measures in order to be as confident as we appear <laughs> and appear is the word because you know there's times when you go in and out of that and but Nathan he went back into the closet and sort of retreated where I was very much in the media very much I was on television a lot when I was first diagnosed for an all-natural cosmetics brand and I suddenly got cast you know with this wand of of suddenly being inverted commas dirty and I was petrified of being seen as dirty and would I be able to be the face of a natural cosmetics brand if I was this horrible disease and I do not mean that I was this but this is the perception that I thought everyone would have so I lived a fabulous life completely unknown to anyone else that I was you know like a duck underwater treading all these emotions and feelings and squashing them down behind a fabulous looking social media profile um, and so it was all just about concealing um and i wasn't i didn't think i was struggling until i sort of stopped for long enough because in that busy life you know you don't if you don't stop you don't have to confront your feelings everyone knows running is the best way <laughs> to avoid facing that wall and so you know i, I was a good runner <laughs> not physically in life but in in this one thing i ran from those feelings so when i face them yeah you just sort of have to Clinch, I want to come back to something you said earlier because you were describing yourself as an HIV person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we do talk about language <laughs> a lot. And, you know, of course, when you're talking amongst friends and whatnot, you, you will use a different language or verbiage and whatnot. But oftentimes we talk about people living with HIV. Yes. Um, because, of course, the individual is not the virus Correct. in and of themselves. So what language do the both of you use and feel comfortable with? And what do you feel is, like, most appropriate? The interesting thing is, like... <laughs> When you, you, you mentioned that, I often don't think about it. Like I would say a person living with HIV, if I was saying it in a sentence about someone else. Um, but I suppose I have often referred to myself as a HIV person. And that's mainly because when you take it on and you start doing so much work in the space and you start doing that, um, it becomes a little bit of a badge. Having thought about it and what, you know, language is becoming and which is so great in so many ways, but the, the unlearning is is interesting um, and watching, you know, some people struggle with it. I think I would definitely prefer the living with HIV um, because you're absolutely right. Like it, it's not it's not my nationality. It's not who I am. It's part of the experience of my living. So I definitely prefer 
that I start using personally, uh, living with HIV. Um, but yeah, Nathan? I agree. I think living with HIV is something that I, I would prefer someone to, in, in conversation, I think it is. I also wouldn't be offended though. <laughs> Agreed. However, I, while you were chatting, I was thinking about a, a recent experience I had where I disclosed to a partner. And I, I don't know if I should admit this, but I, I feel like I have internalized stigma and I've just had a little bit of a light bulb go off because in that conversation that I had, I don't think I ever said I have HIV or I'm living with HIV. I think I used the word I'm positive and I'm undetectable. Mm. So, so I think in even unconsciously with me, there, there must live a little bit of internalized stigma still existing because I, I obviously fear the response of somebody when I say I'm living with HIV. Mm. That could go wrong. Yeah, it's the words. The words matter to yourself as much as they do to other people as well. And, and undetectable is an important thing, but it's mm. interesting that you... Are you trying to say there that it's like you're only okay with it in the context that it's undetectable? So like... You know well, yeah, I mean? pot- potentially. Like, uh, I don't even think there was any conscious thought to it. Right, okay. it was ju- it was just this conversation. I was like, oh, what did I do yesterday? Um, and then I was like, thinking about what did I actually text, and I, I never said HIV. Right. It came up in conversation later on, but in my initial conversation where I, I disclosed, it was undetectable, and it was the use of the word positive. Mm. So it's interesting too, because like when you're asked so much on like as you mentioned before like on the apps or online it does change so much the dialogue people use and I'm more likely to write I'm undetectable on meds which some people if they don't know enough about HIV will actually just go oh he's on prep you know Mm -hmm. and and they'll assume and if they don't know the lingo I'm completely safe to have sex with anyway so I've done my due diligence and you cannot catch it from me anyway so there is kind of no risk for anyone i've given them the right information but i haven't said i'm hiv positive undetectable Mm. and probably psychologically thinking about it it is a little bit of that i'm not going to say i'm hiv positive at that moment i'm just going to tell them i'm undetectable which is the same information slightly differently packaged (laughs) there's there's less chance for uh rejection Mm. with undetectable than there is by saying positive and as you're both talking to me and kind of giving me your timelines you were talking about being diagnosed in 2014 Mm -hmm. and you were not 2011 yeah right Mm. well in that time we have seen the introduction of prep we've Mm. got the science to show that u equals u that undetectable equals untransmittable back then we did not have that information Mm -hmm. and so in that as you're you know telling people that you're undetectable does everyone get that some okay tell me about that few few. (laughs) it's it's surprisingly few and these are people that are on prep and like i don't mind if someone who's not had much to do with the hiv space or not queer or not sort of sexually active or or not sort of you know on the apps doesn't know much and i'm more than happy to educate but when someone is on prep and doesn't know what undetectable means and they're Daily taking a pill so that they can... Often the same pill. The same pill. (laughs) The good old Chivana. When they don't know, it just baffles and shocks me. Like the fact that they're just like, ah, that'll stop me getting something I know no information about, which power to them for protecting themselves. I'm a massive advocate of it. But it hasn't solved the stigma around them projecting onto people who are living with HIV. See me use that language. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is that thing of like they they still will go, oh, you're positive. Oh, no, thanks. They're yes. on prep. 
oh, no thanks. Um, or your diseased old pufta, no thanks. Like they actually are horrible. Like I've had the worst um, experiences and that's weekly. Like that's not even a rare occurrence. It's all the time. And it's usually younger people. It's usually people who are on prep um, and it's usually people who are engaging in, you know, um, bareback sex. Um, and so it's, that's the bit that baffles me. Like, how do they not know? How do they not want to know? That's a really interesting observation that they're using, you know, PrEP, which is ultimately, you know, an HIV treatment drug. Um, and yet, you know, not really having that, you know, that literacy beyond nothing. Yeah. Kind of going, okay, that box is ticked. Or desire to know. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll just continue to avoid it, even though I'm already protecting myself and that person's protecting me against it as well. It's just that interesting dichotomy that I'm like, "Mm, okay, but there's still work to be done on the acceptance in the community. Like, (laughs) With that in mind, I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, Melbourne uh, takes a little bit of pride in the fact that it was one of the, it it uptook PrEP faster than any of the other cities where PrEP was Mm -hmm. introduced over the course of the last 10 years. It was one of the ones that did it the fastest and and we didn't have the Travada whores kind of um, stigma to people that were using PrEP like we saw in places like the United States. Have you ever gone outside of Melbourne and found a difference in the landscape around understanding undetectable or HIV or any, you know, whether that's within Australia or in other countries? Sorry, sorry, Nathan. Um, I found it really interesting because in Australia, they went um, very heavy on the take, prep, protect yourself, um, da-da-da-da-da, and it became protect yourself bigger than the U equals U um, movement and so the undetectable message was the secondary message to protect yourself with prep and it, it showed in the community whereas in london they were very much undetectable equals untransmissible and all it was a much heavier push into um how the danger of hiv infection was being mitigated by the people that were living with hiv but there's also ways that you can protect yourself if you don't have it and so there was this much more knowing community and I felt it a lot less there was far less questions when I was in the UK than there there are still here um, and I think there are a large part of the community that are fantastic don't get me wrong like I have lots of great interactions with wonderful um, queer people young and old mm-hmm. um, but I just think there is there's still that big message of um, stay away from them from the younger people that we get back so there's still work to be done there's and still getting work you to equals be done. you out there. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think so. Okay. Nathan, mm. what do you think? I, I wouldn't change anything that Clint has said. I absolutely agree. I think he articulated that really well. Um, I, I would Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> same sentiment, no. Like, um, I think the you equals you message here did get lost a little bit. Um, just from my own personal experience on the apps, I, I think people don't even understand what um, untransmittable means or undetectable mm. means. Um, so I think there we just still do have a bit of work to do, yeah. Have you, I mean, you've come on the show here, you've now done this filming, you know, was, what was that experience like recording, sitting down and unpacking these issues while the cameras are rolling? Have you done something like that before? Like, like the cameras are rolling? We were just sitting on a couch, like we were at mine or his house, <laughs> just having a wine, but there was no wine, um, just chilling and talking. The like way we, we talked though, it sounded like do. there was wine. <laughs> <laughs> always, come on. <laughs> um, it, I forgot that there were cameras. Right. Um, it, 
me and Clint, I think at this point, have become so comfortable with talking and mm-hmm. sharing and going really deep that I didn't even remember there were cameras there. Yeah. So I- seeing my video, because I haven't seen it yet, will be a really interesting experience. You know, earlier on, you talked about how online you can get a bit of a mixed bag result and the vitriol mm-hmm. there can sometimes be more so than when you have it in person. I mean, when it's out there in the public domain, you're going to have a mixed bag. Some people will probably say, amazing, this is really good. I identified with this and good on you. Mm. But then there are going to be idiots as well. Uh, Have you thought about that? I don't want to scare you right now. But (laughs) how do you you think you're going to look like the best way to look after yourself in that situation? Um, I think blind fear um, and step <laughs> into it because... Just run, remember, Just Nathan, run. Run. <laughs> run into it full throttle. Um, get into that arena as best you can. No, um, I think for me, I think the work is really, really important. Mm. And I'd like to get this conversation to a point where we don't have to have these conversations and we can move to a point where we're, we're not having to have a new campaign every six months or every year or... I'd like to get a point where it's normal that we can just share about our experiences and we, we can move beyond it. Yeah. I think in general, like it's that thing of, I've done a few things publicly in the HIV space and you do get more people in person. You get more people coming up to you and saying, Oh, so brave, you know, <laughs> which is all at once condescending and really beautiful. Like, you know, it's like, I think, it really strikes you when people you don't know come up and say, look, I saw that and I actually, I had a, a beautiful trans person come up to me and say, I relate so much to your story because it was so similar to mine. Thank you because I can't tell people my story because it's too emotional for me and I just related to it. That's the thing that's really powerful and you take those moments with you. I haven't received too much bad stuff from a public campaign yet, um, but... I, I suppose similarly to when you cop it on the chin, and I've always said this since I became positive, a positive person, um, it was a bit of a filter. And, you know, when you were meeting someone, whether it be on the apps or in person, and they can't handle it, they can't handle that there is zero risk to them having sex with you or that you are physically impossible to pass the HIV onto them and they can't handle that, then what a wonderful way to filter bad people from your life and what a wonderful mm. way to rid yourself of of investing time into someone who's just obviously intellectually and emotionally not able to to meet the needs of what we need as good humans which is to be supported and to be loved in the same way that you can love someone else so and it's just their projection of their mm. experience it, it's not actually to do with us the stigma that they hold it, yeah. is is theirs to hold it's just i'm living with hiv the stigma about hiv is not mine to hold i, I can't hold the whole community's stigma mm. um so i think it's that knowing mm. that that it's just where they're at and otherwise i just call nathan and get drunk <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes that whole filter thing doesn't always hit the button and you need to um just let off steam and, and power of peers 100 percent, and that's mm. it like finding your community as a, a person living with hiv is so important i didn't realize until the last two years when i've actually found my hiv community um the difference between having really supportive friends and then having people who are actually sitting in living with going through relating to your experience of what it's like to live with hiv that's so important so if you are struggling with it find people that can actually get it not just empathize because you're a beautiful friend but actually understand Mm. what you're going through 
Well, look, we will link to the HIV Still Matters website, especially as the series goes live. We I can't think wait you to see it. both. Yes, <laughs> thank you both for uh, taking part in, and as well as coming onto the show to talk with us about um, that experience. So, thank you so much. Thank so you. welcome. Thank you. Look, we will link to that on our show page, joy.org.au/slash/well/well/well, and also too, just to amplify what Clint said, not only is you know living with an undetectable viral load not mean you're not going to pass on the virus, is actually the high the the most successful way to prevent the onward transmission of HIV, even more so than PrEP and condoms and all the other things that we have in our suite of um, HIV prevention tools at our disposal. So if you don't know any of that, make sure you head to the uh, HIV Still Matters website and get up to speed on where we're at in the contemporary HIV landscape. That has been another episode of Well, Well, Well. A big thank you to my guests this week. If you want to hear more from the series or catch up on previous episodes of Well, 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 head to the JOY website, www.joy.org.au slash wellwellwell. There you can also subscribe to the podcast as well as email us if you think there is something impacting the health and well-being of our communities that we should be talking about. I'll be back next week continuing our series in the lead up to World AIDS Day. Until next time, look after yourself and those around you. This is Well, Well, Well here on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and well-being and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.